Well, we're going to take a look there at uh, verse 14. Let's ask the Lord again. Lord, we just know apart from you we can do nothing. And we can't even understand these words on this page because they're spiritual unless your Holy Spirit illumines them to us tonight. Lord, our hearts, our lives are before you. Speak to us, Lord. We're your servants. Do unto us, Lord, as you will. We're yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, as you remember, we looked at the reality that our flesh is dead. It's not going to help you out. It's not going to encourage you. Don't wait around until you fill your flesh wanting to live the spiritual life. It's not going to happen, at least not in a real sense, enough to do you any good. And so we are fighting a battle against the flesh, against the world, and against the devil. And so we can't be at ease and say, whatever feels good, do it. That's the carnal man who's living after the life after the flesh. He's living for what... Uh, his body appetites are. What feels good a lot of times is sin. And it's wrong. I don't think everything that feels good is sin or wrong. I know when my wife rubs my shoulders, it's not sin. And boy, it sure feels good. So I'm, I'm not going to you know, say everything that feels good is wrong. But again, I, I can't say, oh, if it feels good, it must be from God. That's not the case. Because I'm in a fallen nature. And my body is sinful. And so because my body is spiritually dead, it's sold under to sin, it likes things that are opposite of what God wants sometimes. And so therefore I know that I cannot relax and listen to my flesh. We're always on the front lines of the battle of the war. And there's times we just want to give up and just take a break, but we can't. You can't weary in well-doing. You've got to keep the fight. I think it's quite interesting when you look at Apostle Paul's life, how fruitful it was. How many things he did, wrote half the New Testament, started so many churches. And the known world at that time, it says in the book of Acts, the gospel that's been preached throughout the world, the only time in history that we know for sure the gospel had reached the entire world was under predominantly Apostle Paul's ministry. But yet his last few words that we know is the end of 2 Timothy. He says, well, I fought the fight and I kept the faith. And that was his great victory. <laughs> and now a crown awaits for me. And I think we just have to keep the faith. We have to keep our eyes upon the Lord and and you know what we're gonna probably fail as much as we succeed until the day we die I wish I could say well now I've been a Christian for you know 30 plus years and hang in there guys after the 25th year you just kick it in neutral and you start closing it, it, it doesn't work I, I cannot say the battle has gotten any easier I can't say denying the flesh. I've gotten any corner on the market. I can write any book now, you know. The five principles of making it easy to overcome the flesh. I, I don't have any. And I've read the books and I'm always disappointed. I've read a couple of them. I, I remember thinking, oh, wow, these are some really neat insights. And then it was publicized that this guy had been in an affair for the last 10 years, and, and the, both of the books have been written during that time. Forget those kind of books. And so, again, we're not debtors to the flesh, as we saw in verse 12, to live after the flesh. We don't have to listen to it. We don't have to do what it says. My little kids, they have desires. They'll come at 9 o'clock at night and say, Dad! Let's go out and get an ice cream sundae, you know? Usually you're in bed by 8.30. It's 9 o'clock. It's a school night. I don't think so. But, Dad, I'm sure it's the right thing, you know? It just feels so right, you know? And uh, 
And I, I say, hi, maybe it's the Lord, you know? And my wife goes, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> we, we can see in little kids, they get these little impulses in their flesh, and, and it just, oh, it has to happen. And it's just so hard for them, you know, when it can't happen. Well, we're the same. We can justify it a little more as adults. We say, well, you know, let me give you my rationale. You know, and we give our logic and our rationale. It's, it's still just our flesh, wanting to give in to please the appetites of our flesh. But as we learned last week, if we live according to the flesh, we are going to experience, even if you're a born-again Christian, you're going to experience a life separated from God. And this is where we saw, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You'll have that experiential life as if God weren't in there. It's as if the blessings aren't there. It's as if the strength is not there. As if the confusion and the difficulties of this life are just as nuts as if you had not known God at all. And so you see the various theological, systematic theologies building in to try to explain this question. You have on the one side the systematic theology of the five-point Calvinist and the Reformed teachers that, that try to build it all in, you see. They try to say, okay, you know, once you ask Christ into your life, that's it. You're definitely 100% saved. It doesn't matter what you do. You're saved if you've asked Christ to come into your life. And then what they say there is you say, well, but the guy's not following the Lord. He's not doing what pleases the Lord. And they say, well, according to our theology then, he could never have been saved. Because once you're saved, you always choose the way of the Lord. And so they say, that when your life is given to God, your, your spirit is so changed, all the old things have passed away, all things become new, you're a new creation in Christ, now you'll choose between a hot dog and a hamburger, or you'll choose whether to go to Wendy's or Pizza Hut, you have that kind of choice, but to choose to do evil, it, no, Christians won't, they could, but they just won't make that kind of choice. And I'm here to tell you, God never takes away that choice. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they had a choice of good or of evil, to obey God or disobey God. The choice is always there, and as born-again believers, that full spectrum of choice is always there. You have the other side that says, man, we, you know, we, we've got to keep people living the right life. And so just let them know. They sin, that's it. That one sin might be enough to cause them to lose their salvation. You have the Armenians over here saying this. They could lose their salvation. And so the people are always in terror, going, man, I've got to make the right choice. And, and prob probably, I mean, there's a lot of guys that would flesh out but think, man, I'll lose my salvation. I better not, you know. And so they definitely look more holy. And the reality is, I don't know. I don't know which side's right. I know when I'm walking with God, I have confidence. And, you know, you say, the Lord could come back today. I'm going, all right. When I start living after my flesh and I start choosing sin, and you say, the Lord could come back today. Oh, no, not today. You know, next week. That's, that's just what my heart says. I, I just don't have that confidence. And so I'm not going to play the system. I'm not going to try to figure out which system it is. I just know that when I live according to the flesh, it's as if I'm not a Christian anyway. Whether I am or not, you know, I, I assume that God's going to keep me. I know of his keeping power that he has me in his hand. And I know of his great love for me. And so there is a confidence that even when I'm stumbling and falling, yeah, God has a hold of me. But I also have within me a lack of confidence in my experience with the Lord. I don't have that confidence in prayer. I don't have that confidence in worship. I 
come wounded to the word of God, not really to hear what God wants to say to me, but sort of, Lord, patch me up. You know, I'm trying to find some scriptures to, to help comfort my soul that's been sinning. And I just, can't, I just can't live that way. I've been there. I've lived in that life where I, I'm living, I want to live for God, but at the same time I'm making choices for the flesh. And every week I come to church, I'm just sort of wounded saying, oh, please say something comforting. Help me, help me, help me, you know. And every time I go to read the Bible, I'm just trying to find some scripture that helps me. Oh, God loves sinners. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, and, and, and that's my whole Christian experience. Just going from patch-up job to the next patch-up job. There's far more in Christ than that. And there comes a place where you just say, forget it. I want to live a life after the Spirit. I'm going to put to death the deeds of the body. Can I go home tonight, kick on my internet, and pull up pornography? I sure can. The flick of the button. Can I go down to the 7-Eleven here and grab me a case of beer? Sure I can. But I will pay the consequences of my relationship with God is going to be injured. My soul is going to be hurt. My mind is going to be polluted. And my experience in God is not going to be what God had intended it to be. And I know that I do not have the strength to put my flesh to death. And we're going to continue on in Romans, and he's going to give some real key points to help you to keep the flesh under. But let's not play the game. Let's not play the head game. Well, if I sin, will God still forgive me? Yeah, he'll still forgive me. No. Well, let's not play the game. Experientially, you're not going to have the life of God in God you could have is if you put the deeds of your flesh to death. Let's not be childish in our thinking. Let's move forward. Now, in verse 14, he gets real practical. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Something very similar over in 1 John. Turn there, if you would. In 1 John, there in chapter 3. Starting there in verse 5. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin or continue on. Uh, remember, our English only has three tenses, where the Greek has uh, six. And so, again, here, the, the, it's a present continuous form. And if you have a newer translation, it'll even translate it such as uh, it'll let you know. It'll say, he who abides in him does not practice in or continue a life of sin or keep on sinning. Whoever sins and continues on sinning has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin and practice continual life of sin. For a seed remains in him, the Holy Spirit. And he cannot sin, continue on sinning, because he is born, born of God. Now look at verse 10 very practically. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Those who are truly Christians will live a Christian life. I like what one person said. He said, if all you could do is describe yourself in moments in your life when nobody else was around, what kind of person are you really? What do you do with your time? What's going on in your thought life? What are you doing when there's nobody else around? Nobody's watching you. No, everybody's gone. You're totally by yourself. What are you really like? And the fact of the matter is, is that if we are led by the Spirit of God, 
if all of a sudden you're by yourself, all right, this is just a great time to get into the Word and to cry out to God in prayer. Or it's just a great time for your flesh. Nobody's around, so I can just do whatever I want with my flesh. I think those are real indicators. If you are truly a child of God, then you are following God, very simply. Last week I gave the analogy of the guy who worked at Taco Bell but liked to wear the McDonald's uniform. And he wants to tell everybody he works at McDonald's, but and, and he's just so confused. He's just certain. You know, he wears the uniform, and where do you work? McDonald's. What do you make at McDonald's? Well, you know, make tacos. But, you know, I, wear, I, I, I'm, I tell you, look at this uniform. And there's people that want to do that. Look at me. I got a Bible. Look at me. I go to church. Look at me. I can talk Christianese. Look at me. I know some of the songs. The bottom line is, are you following Christ? Is God's Spirit leading you? When you read the Word of God, is God speaking to you? When you go to prayer, is there a power there where you're able to pray and to communicate and cry out to God and, and God's Spirit enables your spirit to just to cry out to Him? This is how we know for sure that we are truly sons of God. In verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's really the bottom line, isn't it? Does the Spirit of God live in you? Well, how do you know? Does God's Spirit bear witness with your spirit? In other words, if you're a born-again believer here tonight, and you were to go home tonight and kick on the internet and start pulling up pornography, is there a conviction? Is the heavy hand of God upon you? Can you lust for a while and shut it off and just go brush your teeth and get a drink of water and go to bed and wake up in the morning and go to work? Or are you in your own personal little hell? You're doing it going, oh, man, this is horrible. And finally, you just you can't take any more, and you just shut the thing off. You're going to brush your teeth. You just look at yourself in the mirror going, oh, man. God, I'm such a pervert. I'm such a sicko. I'm such a sinner. God, help me. I, I can't live like this. And your, God's hand is heavy upon you. And day after day, and then finally the men's prayer breakfast comes around and, and somebody looks at you going, man, are you, are you just exhausted? Are you sick? What's wrong? Your countenance is just fallen. Come here, man. I, I'm blown up, man. And there you confess your sin. And they lay hands on you, pray for you, and you, you, just, you just can't go on. You can't move forward. Until this issue has been resolved and forgiveness has come and there's just there's a plan of saying, I gotta get that thing out of my house, or I, I can't have that around, or you know, be a, make me accountable. Ask me any time during the week if that's going on. If you could go get your case of beer or go down and buy some marijuana and you give in to your flesh, is it just like, oh well. Bummer, shouldn't have done that. Oh, well, that's the way it goes sometimes. Oh, well, Jay Leno's on. Let me, let me get home, man. Oh. You're living a life after the flesh, you see. You're not led by the Spirit. And God's Spirit is not testifying to your spirit that you are a child of God. Because if you're a child of God, God is going to lead you. He is going to discipline you. He is going to convict you. What kind of parent would I be if I just let my kids run wild? There they are, out in the street, and there's my six-year-old Tracy 
walking through Plaza Bonita and somebody in the church goes, hi, Tracy, you know, your parents around? No, nah, I don't know where they are. I haven't seen them all day. <laughs> what would you say of me? You'd say, my goodness, he is totally irresponsible. Or if you were just a stranger looking at that person, you would say, man, that guy, he needs some parents. In the same way, God is a good parent. And he's not going to let us just run wild. He's not going to let us just continue a life after the flesh. His hand will get heavier and heavier. The Bible makes it clear that it's first his loving kindness and tender mercies that will bring us to repentance. God's gentle love and, and gentle blessings will come in. And he'll just open your eyes to how good he's been to you. And, and now look at your doing. You're you're blowing it. You're not acting like a child of the king. You're acting like a peasant out of the streets. And, and hopefully your heart will be convicted enough to stop that sin. If not, it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that every son whom God loves, he scourges. Let's look at that over in Hebrews chapter 12. It says there in verse 5, and you have forgotten have, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. And what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which, all you, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seems best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness." Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I love that last part. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, does God's Spirit convict you of sin? Have you been led by God's Spirit into a time of chastening? Maybe in various ways that God has spanked you. Maybe it's with issues with health. Maybe it's just everything falling apart on you. Maybe it's just the hand of God's blessing withdrawn from you and you sense that hand of blessing withdrawn. But you clearly know that it's God's Spirit speaking to you saying, Look, I love you too much to let you keep on in the direction you're going. Stop. If you have never experienced that, I say to you tonight, you've never yielded your life to Christ unto salvation. You may have liked the idea of having friends. Witnessing to a girl this last week, and, and she said, oh yeah, you know, I don't really believe in God, but I watched this show, Seventh Heaven, and I want to go to church like that. You know, I, I want to have nice people around me like that, you see. I said, go to Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. I didn't say that. But I did think that. The politically correct Christianity. But, um... The fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of people who have just basically said, you know, I, I, like the, I like the routine of going to church. I like the idea of Sunday school and vacation Bible schools and camps and church picnics. And, you know, I, I like that. You know, I like that whole thing. You know, chariots of fire where, you know, they come back from China and they're all out there in 
running races, you know. You know, I just, oh, it's just, there's a lot of reasons people go to church. There's a lot of reasons. Why not believe the Bible? I mean, I, why not? They're not committed to the Word of God. They're not believing it's the Word of God that they need to live and abide by. But hey, it's a great book, and I, I don't disagree with it. You see, there's a lot of motives that go on and as we come to church, and we're challenged with situations like tonight, we have to stop and just say, why are we doing this? Why are we doing what we're doing? What's going on? You, you have little kids do that every once in a while, you know? You're out raking the leaves in your yard, and a little girl comes over a bike. What are you doing? Raking the leaves. Why? Good question. I don't know why. I, you know, I think mean, you just sort of got to put down the rake and, and you just, it sort of just sort of messed everything up. Why do we do that? I don't know. Somebody said it looks better without them laying there. In actuality, maybe they do look better there. I don't know why. I, you know, don't, don't mess me up. <laughs> I had it all figured out. You rake them up, you put them in a bag. I don't... Why are you here tonight? Why are you saying you need to follow Christ? Is it all a game or is it real? Has it been so long since you've come to Christ that you don't remember what it was like without Christ? Don't forget how miserable it was. Don't forget how that guilt of sin and how the overwhelming power of Satan was driving you and driving you until your life was on, headed on the road to destruction. And I say to you tonight, God's going to continue to bring us in a deeper and a deeper level of surrender and commitment. But there is that initial surrender where we have to say, I am a sinner completely. I'm not going to say, well, I could be better than I am. Why don't you come into my life, God? No. Where you're saying, I am a sinner. I am a sicko, perverted, whacked out, messed up individual because I've been following the prince of the power of the air. I've been living after the world's desires and whims and ways. And it's, it's destroying me. It's destroying my mind. It's destroying my body. It's destroying every relationship. I am a fruitless individual. I need a Savior. If you've come to that place, then you know what I'm talking about, where God's Holy Spirit has come into your life, and now His Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you indeed are a child of God. Now as Christians, we are still in human flesh, and we struggle. We will never stop struggling. There'll never be a time in our life where the struggle with our flesh ends. We'll continue. We struggled with lust and covetousness and anger and bitterness when we were teenagers, in our 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s, in our 50s, in our 60s, and someday you'll be some 87-year-old guy in the hospital with tubes and you'll be you know, screaming at the nurse, get some more medicine, you know. You're all convicted about being unkind. It never is going to end. We're always going to have that struggle. But there also is that definite continual spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Now, if we do have that struggle, and we all do, know that we didn't receive the spirit of bondage again in verse 15, Again to fear. God is not convicting your heart about the sin to cause you to say, Oh no, oh no, oh no, I messed up. Oh no, you know, this is not supposed to be happening. And oh no, God's going to leave me. God's going to forsake me. And, and then you're all now motivated to try to serve God because, man, you don't, you don't want to lose God. No, He's not giving us that spirit of fear again. That's the world. And that's where, again, on the one side, it says every time you sin, that's it. You lose your salvation. 
I think that most of those types of churches, it is a spirit of fear they live under. I know I was raised that way. And I was told that if I sinned, that's it, I lost my salvation. And I grew up with that concept. And every Sunday, the pastor would say, if you need to receive Christ, man, I was down there at that altar again. And until the pastor came over and laid his hand on my shoulder and, and said, you know, repeat after me this prayer, and I'd oh, I feel better. And, you know, by Monday morning, you know, I'm, oh, I can't wait till Sunday gets here again, you know, because, man, I'm just not so sure. And, and all week long, I'm just sort of going, Lord, don't come back, you know, and, and oh, I hope I don't die before next Sunday, you know. And, and this went on for years until uh, actually the beginning of my junior year of high school. Another Monday, and I went through torment all Monday going, man, Sunday's a long ways away. And, you know, and, and I came home, and I was just under such heavy condemnation. I just got my Bible, and I just threw it up against the wall, and I said, that's it. I'm finished. I can't take this anymore. I can't take the, the pressure. I can't take the, the bondage of this. And I, I remember they would say, now get out there and... Tell people about Jesus. I'm like, I like my friends. I wouldn't tell them about this. This is, this is horrible. It's horrible to know about Jesus because you're always sinning and then you got to wait till next Sunday and it's, it's just horrible. And that day, as I threw the Bible against the, the wall, I said, I'm finished. I didn't even know this verse, but the Lord just spoke it to my heart. You confess your sin. I'm faithful, I'm righteous to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. He said, Brian, are you a sinner? I'm a sinner, God. I'm not going to say, oh, well, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't have done it, but, you know, I know my friends, they do a lot worse. You know, I'm not going to play that game. I sinned. I blew it. Okay, then that's it. Leave it right there. Let it go. It's mine now. I'll be faithful. I'll be righteous. I'll forgive you of your sin. I'll take care of it. And, um, and then I came across Philippians 1.6. And I am confident of this very thing, that he who began that good work in you, he will complete it. And I am confident now that God is in me. His Spirit does bear witness to my spirit. If I go out and I sin tonight, I know I will be hating life. Because God's hand will be heavy upon me. And it's not a burden of bondage. It's the heavy hand of a caring father saying, you know what? I've got far better things in store for your life than this. And this is garbage. I've got a beautiful dinner prepared for you at the table. Climb out of that garbage can and come with me. And it's, it's that heavy hand. It's not a con condemning hand. It's a convicting hand of saying, I love you too much to let you continue. And it's just a heavy hand. And I'll tell you, I, I just can't move until I come back to that place of saying, God, forgive me and help me to get my eyes steadfast back on you. And so we now have that spirit that just cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. When I'm being tempted or when I fall into temptation, my immediate reaction is Daddy, 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 Daddy. I remember uh, James Dobson, he was telling a story about he was uh, looking out his kitchen window and he saw his little boy hanging out the back of the pickup truck and he was sort of teeter-tottering, you know, his face getting ready to go to the ground. And he saw him there, and he was just teeter-tottering, teeter-tottering, and, and he thought, he's stuck. And he, he went out there. And as he was getting closer, the little boy was saying, somebody help this boy, somebody help this boy. You know, and that's, that's what our spirit immediately cries out. Daddy, daddy, somebody help this boy. It's not, oh, no, did I lose my salvation? No, at what degree of sin? You know, that's not the issue anymore. The issue is just, there's this, I want to be more like you. I want to be more usable. God, take this life and help me to overcome this world, to overcome this flesh, to overcome the devil. And so now we have a spirit that we have a relationship where we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. I love David and his cries to the Lord. Turn over to Psalm 63. Let's look at his couple of his cries out to the Lord. 
Psalm 63. Here's that beautiful cry of Abba Father, Daddy, Daddy. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in this sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. And then over in Psalms 25. Turn over there if you would. Psalms 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those who deal be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies, your loving kindness, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercies, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. The humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity. For it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. His descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distresses. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul, deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. And one more over in Psalms 84. Psalms 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, just even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield. Look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and the shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. You hear in King David as you read those Psalms that spirit, not of fear unto bondage, but a spirit crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And some of you tonight have had that spirit in the past where you had that tender conscience, but you've now lived after the flesh. You sinned and you continue to sin and you continue to sin until now the conviction of God is still there, but it's such a quiet, quiet voice that it's so hard to hear. And I come back to you and I say, 
Cry out to God. Go back and say, God, help me to have that tender conscience again. Help me, Lord, to feel guilty when I sin. Please, Lord, purge my life and don't let me be able to sin and not feel convicted about it. Help me not to waste time and, and to say, oh, well, no big deal. It's a humongous deal. That that heart would cry out. I know Paul had to encourage Timothy over in 2 Timothy. Turn there if you would. To 2 Timothy chapter 1. <laughs> and in verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up. The word stir up is to blow on a cinders. It's like a fire getting ready to go out and you blow on the, on the coals or on the wood and the fire begins to kindle again. So get that fire of the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? Of a soundness of mind or it also can be translated a discipline. God has given you a power as the child of God to cry out to Him. And I'll tell you what, it works. Remember earlier in Romans chapter 8, and it says, Who will deliver us from these things? It doesn't say what will deliver us. Or back in chapter 7, it says, Who will deliver us from these things? In verse 24 of chapter 7, O wretched man that I am, who, not what, not the methods, but who will deliver me from this body of death? It's that spirit of crying out, Abba, Father. You have a weakness in your life, and it's because the only reason you see it is because God showed it to you. You would not know that your sin was great had God's Spirit not showed it to you. Maybe He showed it to you by coming to church. Maybe He showed it to you by a friend talking to you, sharing their sins. You're going, wow, I'm doing the same thing. Or maybe he showed it to you through the word of God, or maybe just his spirit. But you would not see the weakness of your flesh if God did not show it to you. So take heart. When you are being convicted about a sin, it's because God is getting ready to uproot it out of your life. And so don't get fearful going, man, I'm, I'm far worse off than I ever dreamed. I've been 10 years a Christian, and man, things are far worse than I ever imagined. Don't start getting that spirit of fear. Just get the spirit crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. I wouldn't have even made it this far if it wasn't for the power of your spirit. And I know I'm not going to make it any farther except by the power of your spirit. Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And let God's spirit speak to your spirit, that you indeed are a child of God. And God's Spirit has so many things just to speak to you. Write to your spirit. Human words can't take it. Let's look at one more verse tonight, and then we'll end. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. And in verse 9, let's start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, Eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us. How? Through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In the Greek here, it's just literally spiritual with spiritual. God's spirit to your spirit, your spirit to God's spirit, a communication from spirit to spirit. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can we know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he 
who is spiritual, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Very simply, in a conclusion tonight, God has an incredible life in the Spirit for you. And if you can get that vision and say, yes, I want that life after the Spirit. I want to experience all things that God has for my life. All of a sudden, things of the flesh are not important anymore. And when God begins to speak to you and God begins to use you, it is such an adventure. It is so incredible that it's just, it's beyond imagination. All week long, starting actually at the end of last week, there's been a guy in my heart that I went to college with back in 1980. Haven't seen him since then. He has been on my heart out of the clear blue. I've just been praying for him as God's spirit just stirring at my spirit and just sort of groaning, just saying, God, just not even having words. I got word today that he's in the hospital and he's got a massive brain tumor. Haven't thought of the guy for years, but all of a sudden, in the spirit, you see, I'm groaning. Last year, I was speaking at a men's retreat out in Idaho, and I mean, out in the middle of nowhere land. I mean, there's, you know, five houses within 50 miles, you know? And I'm in the back of the van, and the pastor uh, of the church there in Idaho, and, and uh, Carlos was in the, the, the passenger seat, and I was back in the back of the van. It had curtains and everything. I couldn't see what was going on. And, and there as I'm just studying and, and praying, and just God's Spirit just speaks to me right then. Just stop the van. Stop then. I, and I said, hey, pull over right now. Just stop the van. The pastor said, what's going on? What's wrong? You know, and Carlos looking back, what's happening? I just pull over. And we pulled over to the side of the road, and out comes a lady that used to be a part of our church for several years. Lost sight of her, hadn't heard from her for several years, and she's walking out down the steps. And you could not see another house miles away. We're out in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where we were. And she came out, and there for about 45 minutes, we were all just to, to minister to her. The life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, hearing the Spirit of God, experiencing the life. Now, you say, Brian, but man, I've got some pictures on the Internet. Blow your mind. Why would I want impurity, man? I won't be able to hear what God's Spirit is saying to me. Oh, but man, have, have you tried this new drug that's out? You don't understand. I can't fall asleep at night right now because I'm so high on Jesus. I mean, I'm start meditating on the Word and it takes me to another passage, to another story, and I'm, I'm just so excited. I, I can't get higher than I am right now. Last night at the high school camp, just a radical time. We had an afterglow service. And boy, God's Spirit just fell on these young people. It was just, it was just incredible. Words of knowledge and words of wisdom. It was just, it was just incredible. One of the brothers had a word of knowledge that there was a young boy there whose dad got him into pornography. And he was so confused over it and that God wanted to heal him. And, and as the word was spoke that this kid comes up and just, he was just going, I was just, I was just there setting going, I'm, how can I experience what these guys are experiencing when I'm just so bound up in this stuff and I know I'm going to go home and, and to be my dad's butt, I've got to, you know, just this whole thing's going on. There we just laid hands on him and, and prayed for him. and There's so many. I mean, I could give you 50 stories of just last night alone. Man, to hear the word of God, to have a pure heart, clean hands, an innocent mind. It doesn't get better, folks. The life in the Spirit, that's where you want to be.
The flesh, death. The spirit, life and peace and power and discipline. The experiencing the life in the spirit of God. Well, next week, we're going to look at one of the funnest verses in verse 17 there. We're heirs equal to Jesus Christ. And what's that mean? Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, help us now, God, to get the vision. To just let you heal us. Let you purify our minds and our hearts again. Lord, whatever it may be, maybe some here are being tempted to still. Some are tempted to lie. And maybe there's some that just, they're so busy lying and deceiving, they don't even realize it now. And they're born-again believers. They are saved. Your spirit does live within them. But they've been so giving their life over to the flesh that it's as if they're not even a Christian anymore. And whether they are or not, I don't know. But you know all things, God. But I, I just know how desperately bad it can get even as a Christian who begins to once again living, listening, giving in to the desires of the flesh. Lord, free your people here tonight with everybody's head bowed, nobody looking around. If that's you tonight, just slip your hand up, put it right back down, just as a sign of humility, saying, that's me, that's me. God, I, I'm not even looking. You know, God. Touch these hearts, Lord. Strengthen their lives, Lord. Just tonight, Lord, you said, without a vision, people perish. Give them a vision now to walk in the Spirit. Give them a vision to experience the life of the Spirit once again, where they have that tender heart, like a little child going, Daddy, Daddy, that they just have that innocent little heart and mind and life again, experiencing you. And let their spirit come alive. Your spirit speaking to their spirit. Not human words, but just your spirit telling them of all the wonderful things that are freely given unto them. Spiritually appraised. The natural mind, or even our human mind, can't figure it all out. We just sort of blown away by it and full of joy because of it. Overwhelmed with awe that a great, awesome, and pure and holy God invaded our life and desires us. Lord, we know you love each and every one of us here tonight, and that's why you're speaking this message. Do it, Lord. Do it, God. Thy kingdom come. Let's pray the Lord's prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's all stand and sing. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Once again. have this sister sing in our home Lord be glorified in
angels. Let's have the guy sing in your church, Lord. Come on, guys. In your church, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in your church, Lord, be Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. your children tonight. May we hear of so many wonderful reports from a, these couple hundred people here tonight that every one of us would come back next week saying all the things that God has done because we've been led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, experiencing the life of the Spirit. And boy, what fruit. Lord, bless. Help us, Lord. We're so weak. Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, help us. 
bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, tell somebody, walk in the Spirit.